It's the Dean Lucky Show here on Dog Post. Going to talk about the Georgia Bulldogs. It is Sunday night, uh, January 21st, 2018. And the Bulldogs uh, just went through a um, official visit weekend uh, in Athens. Uh, so did a lot of other schools for, the re- for, the, for that reason, for a matter of fact. Uh, it just wasn't in Athens, right? So if you're listening to me on iTunes, that's awesome. If you are... Uh, watching on Twitter or YouTube, that's great as well. I would follow me, Dean at DogPost. Of course, that's my email, um, Dean at DogPost.com. And then if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's dog underscore, underscore post, yada, yada, yada. If you've got questions, fire them away. For the most part, I'm going to try to talk tonight about uh, a lot of stuff that's uh, going on here in the near future. As everything behind me manages to fall down. Hey, can't be perfect. Uh, Georgia, if you've been reading everything that, uh, that we've been writing at dog posts, there's, um, there's been a lot of movement in the scholarship numbers for the dogs more than anything else. Um, that's just a product of it being the off season. I mean, this time last week, we didn't know for sure that Georgia would lose some players to the NFL. Um, we had already known that, uh, uh, Jacob Eason was leaving and we also knew already that, um, uh, uh, Rashad Roundtree was leaving. So for Georgia, they are the biggest thing about this, and which I I keep pretty good notes about what um, the number is for the scholarships, and I know a lot of other people that cover the team do as well. But I think my general view on that is as follows, which is it doesn't. I mean. The number that matters more than anything else, period, is to get at 85 in August. There's no conspiracy theory. There's no, I mean, that's all there is to it. And right now, Georgia is under the number barely. They're at 84 as of this second. And if I were talking to, if you know, if Kirby were right here saying, he would say, well, that's not really real because of X. And he'd be right. So they always know more than we know or than I know. I don't know if anybody else follows it the way that I do. But they will come into this season with 17 juniors, 20 sophomores, three redshirt freshmen, and 22 freshmen. Those guys will all move up a year. And um, because of D'Angelo Gibbs not being in school, I cannot assume that he will be back in school. I'm not sure that this is quite like Trent Thompson was last year where I kind of knew that Trent would be back. Um, I don't know what is going to go on with uh, D'Angelo. I'm pulling for him. But he's not in school right now, so I'm not using that scholarship. Um, And if he comes back, he comes back. That's awesome. Um, But I can't read the future, and um, I don't know. Same thing goes for Natrez. Well, same thing doesn't go for Natrez. I assume Natrez will be back. I don't know if Natrez will be back, uh, but I am assuming that Natrez will be back. So at this second, they've signed 20 guys. Um, that means they've got a space for about four kids. And already I'm seeing a lot of questions about, um, you know, players who Georgia, you know, is going to recruit or who is currently, who are being currently recruited. It's, it's, it's as if I've never been on, uh, uh, a, a camera before I've been doing this for eight, this is the 18th year. So uh, sometimes you get tongue, tongue tied, um, let me let me go through the report from today. Um, 
and then uh, we can, you know, I can do my best to answer questions. Tomorrow, uh, we'll have the roundtable on dog post. Tuesday night, um, probably I will have, well, actually I won't because there's a basketball game, but Wednesday night, Dylan will have his re recruiting report, not Dylan, uh, Matt will have his recruiting report again. Big thing this weekend, uh, to me, Quay Walker visiting Alabama rather than Georgia. does It sounds bad at the beginning, but he should be in Athens the last week of recruiting, which, you know, it looks right now like Georgia is in good shape. The reason why you have a subscription to Dog Post is so we can fill you in on the day. So with Quay, with uh, Quay Walker, um, Georgia's in a fight there. I mean, Tennessee has picked up momentum, and Matt can talk about, can talk about the future. Um, we talk about what things will be in the future, but for me, it looks to me like Georgia has got a fight on its hand, but they're in pretty good shape. You know, for Tommy Bush, who visited Mississippi this weekend, um, you know, Texas, uh, Ole Miss, and Baylor are the major competition from what I understand. Uh, I think Georgia's in pretty good shape there. But again, this is the reason why you should tune into Dog Post, DAWGPOST.com, because uh, <laughs> recruiting can change. Things can maneuver around, and uh, that's how it can go. Um, Luke Ford was on campus this weekend, Chris Smith, a um, couple of guys, Mario Goodrich from Missouri, as well as Antoine Green from Florida. Curious what's happening with Green. I mean, is Green a. Uh, a bet that they don't get Tommy Bush, or is he, uh, or is it leverage against Tommy Bush? Bush saying, "Hey, you know, are you coming or not?" In terms of uh, Tyson Campbell, uh, Georgia is in very good position there. He's a five-star player from South Florida. Um, I hesitate to call him from Miami because guys from Fort Lauderdale can get a little bit sensitive about that stuff. So let's just call him South Florida. This is an excellent class. I did not think it was possible that Georgia could do better than they did last year coming into signing day. But what we didn't know uh, would happen on signing day would be, or, or within that 24 hours, was that Channing Tindall, Luke Ford, uh, Cade Mays, there were a lot of guys that broke Georgia's way. And because of that, they got the number one class in the country and one of the best classes in modern recruiting history. So they have strung together now here with the 15 class, 15, 16, 17, and 18. You know, that's a solid nucleus. I'll have to go run the numbers as to if the team entering uh, 2018 is the most talented, um, but uh, the most talented team in modern recruiting history at Georgia. But the 2017 team was the most uh, talented team in Georgia history in terms of modern recruiting. So with that, you you lose some players. Obviously, you lose Nick and Sony. You lose two quarterbacks who were top 100 players coming in. Uh, you lose Roquan Smith, who was a top 100 player. So you're losing some guys. But they have replaced them in spades. And not only that... Whereas uh, you had this past year, you had two five-star quarterbacks and three top 100 quarterbacks on scholarship. Well, only one of those can play at a time. You get five top 100 uh, uh, offensive players, offensive linemen. They can all play at the same time. So that was that sort of the criticism, if you want to call it criticism. That was the 
the misunderstanding of how well Mark Richt recruited. Mark was a very good recruiter. He was not an elite recruiter. He was a, I would say, he's a very, very good coach, head coach. I mean, it's hard to say he wasn't elite. The only thing that prevented him from that was uh, a national championship. But in terms of people using his recruiting against him, eh, it was kind of bullshit because a lot of the players that Georgia signed that pumped up the recruiting ranking, they weren't all playing at the same time, and they were either linebacker heavy or, in some cases, quarterback heavy. So you want positions where guys... Always the case with the quarter, certainly not the case with quarterbacks or you know guys who are redshirting. So we'll see if they have a, a more... Um, talented class i just have to do the math i've got i've got a lot of math to do here coming up um talking about television viewers talking about the talent of the team talking about situationally what this 2018 schedule should look like it looks easier i'm not you know y'all know i don't really sugarcoat things i think it looks easier to me and we can run down some things. But I, one thing I want to focus on tonight, just real quick, and I, I see the questions, I'm trying to answer them, but let me focus on this because there's a lot of people listening and watching um, that I don't want to just sit and answer questions. Uh, I will answer this one, though, and it was, was anyone's decision on the NFL a surprise? No. The guys that left should have left. The guys that came back should have come back. I think DeAndre Baker was the one guy that you were sitting there going, eh, what's going to really happen here? But, you know, I think at the end of the day for DeAndre, he could be a top 40, 45, 50 player, which means he could be a first-round guy next year. It's hard to tell a guy um, to come back when they're that high already. But for DeAndre, I mean, first-round money is – first round is different than all the other rounds – because of the reality that you get the fifth year and the collective bargaining agreement. There's there's a lot of stuff that kind of gets it goes into it. Our Georgia should return um, 17 uh, seniors. Uh, it might be 16 because uh, Demarcus Hayes is going to re- – he didn't play this past year hardly enough. But they should return 16 uh, seniors on scholarship coming into this year. That means with Hayes moving to sophomore – and these are pretty, you know, uh, just – these are not audited numbers. If you all are CPAs out there, these are um, – what's the term? I think it's – um, non well, whatever I mean I can't remember those those classes but um, that would mean seven, uh, 16 juniors uh, 21 sophomore uh, 16 seniors 21 fr- uh, juniors the junior class is Kirby's first class at Georgia so they have moved along there were only three players who did not play their freshman their first completely uh, freshman season at Georgia that were Ben Cleveland. Chris Barnes and Solomon Kinley, and two of those three offensive linemen started this year. So, uh, same position, but they did start, split the season. Ben Cleveland really did come on, grew up. That's what they were waiting for. And then for the freshmen coming into their sophomore, I'm going to have to do some math on that. We don't know yet what is going on with, you know, I'm not ready to declare someone a red shirt um, yet. So we'll just see what the spring says in a couple of weeks. But 22 guys who, who came in and will move up, whether they're going to be redshirt freshmen or sophomores. And then, of course, this current class is at 22. 20 have signed. You got two remaining that are committed. Um, how many will they sign? 
I think it's going to be 24 or 25. Could it be 26? Seems a little bit like one too many maybe, but it'll be in that ballpark. It will be between 24 and 26. I, I kind of doubt 26, but I'm not a magician. I don't know everything, and we'll just see. In terms of where they are with particular positions, I mean, the glaring spot, the, the number one strength, offensive line. The glaring concern, quarterbacks. I mean, you got two scholarship quarterbacks. I know Stetson Bennett is extremely good. Trust me. People talk about him behind the scenes. He's not on scholarship, and even if he were, he'd be a former walk-on like an Aaron Davis. So that makes you, that's got to make you a little bit nervous if, if you're Georgia. You know, one kid uh, will be a sophomore who has gotten them to a national championship game and won the conference. But you don't have a lot of depth there the same way you didn't have a lot of depth in 2011 with Aaron Murray. And it was just Aaron Murray and um, that's Mason. That was it, I believe. Um, or maybe that was 10. I can't even remember, but it was, it was I think it was 11. Um, let's see. And then after that, I mean, you're pretty balanced. This is one thing that guys who do uh, do cover recruiting on a daily basis, uh, they knew, they could tell Georgia was going to balance it up, and then they were going to just go attack the players, and excuse me, just go attack the positions. So what happened there was um, instead of really reaching for running backs, they addressed the running back position, and then they only recruited elite running backs. Receiver, they've still got some work to do there, but after the 19 year, you shouldn't have a lot of issues at receiver. Tight end, I mean, so everything's where it needs to be for Georgia. They're doing what they need to do. This, you know, Alabama is superb at recruiting. Ohio State is very good at recruiting. And Georgia is very good at recruiting. All three of those programs, they are the best in the country right now and probably since Kirby arrived. So these three cycles, they have been the best ones. I've got a question here about Kiaris Jackson, who I saw live in August against Lee County. Excuse me, against um, Jake Fromm's old team, Houston. Sorry, Houston County. You know, I really liked him. I thought he was very good. And I think that um, his speed was uh, significant and hard to miss. Um, so I think that for Kyrus, I think he could play pretty quick. He's kind of a forgotten guy. There's a couple of forgotten guys in this class. One for me would be Devontae Wyatt. Loved him when I saw him play at Towers. Um, he is extremely raw. I know he's had a year away. We'll just see what happens coming forward. I love him as a person. Um, gave him some encouragement about sticking with it and giving him hell. And he did. He stuck with it. Um, he's an extremely gifted kid. And, um, you know, I, I think he's got a great future in front of him if he develops. But Kyrus Jackson is a guy that a lot of folks in my world don't talk about because he's not a you know, sexy name or anything like that. He's not a five-star guy. But if you watched him play football, he can play football. And uh, that's pretty good when you're playing football, right? I mean, you athleticism and raw ability is really good, but you at some point want football players that you can develop. And 
With Kyrus Jackson, he would be a quintessential football player. Zemir White, I would say, is the same way, except he's just a total freak. So um, you want football players. I think you could say thing same thing about Justin Fields. I'm just looking at their list here of guys I've seen play live. I mean, I think going down the list, Justin Fields has as much upside as any quarterback uh, that Georgia has recruited lately, uh, maybe with the exception of Jacob Eason, but you know it just didn't work out for Jacob. Uh, but Justin Fields is sort of the prototypical of what the future of quarterbacking should be. Uh, Zamir White, I think if you have listened to me talk, know how high I am on him. He's the best. He had the he had the most impact on me of watching any prospect in the last 18 years. He played the best game I saw a high school football player play. Does that mean he'll be good in college? We'll see. James Cook, speed guy. Um, going to have to prove it to some degree, uh, but he's a hell of a player too. Um, we talked about Kyrus Jackson. I don't know a lot about Luke Ford. He's a top 50 player. Um, we'll just see. Fitzpatrick, when I watched him at Marist, the problem with Marist is, and this is coming from a Tucker guy, um, no no love loss there, it's just hard to tell with guys from, from Marist. They are almost always extremely smart, but with the offense that they play, you can't, you know, it's not going to feature anybody. I mean, it's an option-based offense, and, you know, what can you do? I see some inappropriate slash hilarious comments about Marist. I'm going to let those go. Uh, Jamari Sailor, Sayer, whatever, I've been uh, corrected many times on there. Jamari is, a, is an instant impact kind of guy. He's probably one of the few instant impact guys in this class outside of Zamir, if, if Zamir's healthy. Uh, and uh, Jamari is a big kid. He played left tackle when I watched him play. Um, I think it's going to be tough for him not to play. I don't know if he starts. I mean, there's one spot, and the entire roster is going for that one starting spot, uh, including a displaced um, including a displaced um, starter from this year in uh, Solomon. So, uh, we'll just see. So what will happen is, you know, Andrew Thomas will move over to left tackle and then the, the right tackle will be up for grabs. And the question is who, you know, who will that person be? And uh, Jamari is a guy that could play there, but we'll just let's just see what happens. I mean, uh, I think he will play. And then you've got right after him, Cade Mays. Um, you know, is he completely ready to play in the SEC? I, I don't know. I've not seen him play live, so that's my only hesitation. Uh, once I see him live, I'll have a better view of the world there. Um, I think Trey Hill's got got developing to do, and I think that he's going to have to, um, you know, just get in shape and take it from there. There's no harm in an offensive lineman redshirting. Warren Erickson and then Condon. But those guys seem like they are less likely to play. They may well redshirt. You're starting to talk about an offensive line that's going to be experienced and big through the future. You don't need your skill players to be unbelievable if your offensive line gets the job done. Brent Cox, when I watched him play, uh, he's got all the measurables you could possibly need. Long arms, can get down the line, can rush the passer. He did not make a ton of plays in the time that I saw him play against Buford. But he was playing Buford. So um, I doubt very seriously that he's not going to have some sort of impact at Georgia. He's just got what you need physically, and they will make him 
they will make him play well. Already talked about Devontae Wyatt. Adam Anderson, he's going to get bigger. This guy could be the freak of the bunch. We'll just see. Um, you know, when you can rush the passer the way that he can, it's just tough. I mean, that's why these guys are, are higher level, you know, recruits. As it relates to his size, the only worry that you have right now, and this is why he will not be a dominant player in 2018, is can he set the edge? Can he deal with stopping the run in the SEC? Right now, I think that will be more challenging for him than it will be in the future. And you've got some players at his position that will be a little bit, you know, uh, more advanced. I mean, you know, obviously, Walter Grant's been there. You had DeAndre Walker. There's guys in front of him. That's a good thing. Uh, Davis and Wathauer, we'll just see what happens with them. They're not yet signed. They're the two guys not signed. Uh, Channing Tindall, a guy from Columbia that a lot of people were very much after. He's got a, He's very good. Will he will he play next year? Yes. Will he start? You know, I, I doubt that because you've got so much at middle linebacker that you can still feel. I love Money Rice. Um, I love what he can do. Um, Ojolare, big time pass rusher, um, is going to have to add weight, etc. Um, you know, I think he will develop into a holy terror if he can deal with stopping the run. I mean, I try to keep it as straight as, as possible. I see a lot of these guys play live. I don't see all of them play live, you know, but with him, I think that's your that's the concern. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, I didn't say that about Brent Cox, did I? I mean, he's got the size to stop the run. So some of these guys are slightly different, different positions. Joseph at corner, uh, well, at DB, uh, you've got... Um, Joseph Smith, um, you know, Chris Smith is a solid player. Is he unbelievable right now? No, that's what development is for. For Joseph, I think that it's playing at Georgia and defensive back, that's going to be an extremely competitive spot to come in and play. So for the younger guys there, you know, that's going to be tough. And then the kicker from Norcross, huge. He's a big old kid. Uh, David Wilson or David Wilson, however you want to pronounce it, um, don't know a lot about him. When I went to Miami, I did not get the ability to. I did not. I could not lay eyes on him. The time that they played uh, Miami is a disaster logistically. I just didn't get to see him. So, not huge. But they these guys just coaching staff is not going to make mistakes in the defensive secondary in terms of who they sign. I don't think. I mean, Mel Tucker is a star. The Kirby Smart, I think, you know, is more than well qualified to sign defensive backs. These guys totally know what they're doing. But in terms of people always want to know instant impact, there's not a lot of instant impact guys because what's happened is Georgia has developed and recruited so effectively lately that they they there's just not a lot of spots. I mean <clears throat> if you look at the board you're going to have to replace Trent, John Atkins, Ledbetter's back. You're going to have to deal with Lorenzo and Bellamy. Natres should be back. Roquan's gone. Malcolm Parrish is gone. And uh, Dominique is gone. The other players are back. The offense, you lose Nick and Sony, but they didn't both start. Wims is gone. Blazevich, eh, you know, I mean, not as better than Blazevich to me. 
So you got on offense, you're replacing obviously two extremely good running backs. I mean, the best duo perhaps in college football history, but you're re returning four or five offensive linemen. You're returning uh, plenty of firepower as it relates to wide receiver. Um, there's there's a lot to work with here. These guys are clearly the cream of the crop in the East. It would be stunning that they did not get to Atlanta. And then even with two losses, if you and I'm not sure they have two losses in them, but even if you get to Atlanta with a couple of losses, you're still going to deal with someone from the West, whether it's LSU, Auburn, or probably Alabama. And if you win that game, you're in the playoff. If you get to the that game undefeated and it's a competitive game, you're probably in the playoff. That's where Georgia is right now. Clemson has the clearest path of any legitimate top 10 team. Clemson has the clearest, easiest path. Miami's not on their level. There's a lot of schools that just simply are not on their level. The conference they play in um, is not that great. It's fine. The division Georgia plays in is not that great. Not right now. So for, for Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, and just Ohio State, just the whoever it is. I mean, Ohio State's the best team consistently in the Big Ten. Those schools all have paths. The only issue, I'm not saying anything here that nobody doesn't already know, is that the, the path for the dogs and the path for whoever comes from the West is more complicated because they have a quarterfinal matchup that's not against Virginia Tech or TCU. It's against Alabama or Georgia or Auburn. Period. So it's uh, it's just a, it's just a different world, and um, you know. But if you're Georgia, you have to embrace that and say, "Hey, look! If we're going to win the national championship, we have to beat Alabama." Clemson couldn't do it this year. They didn't win the national championship. Auburn did do it, but then they had to bring, um, you know, then they had to play the extra game against Georgia. So, you know, I don't know. We've got someone saying that Alabama's schedule is ridiculously easy. I don't know if you're talking about 17. Let me take a look at their 18 schedule. I mean, it's not going to change that much. So let me just take a look at it and then start my judgment. You know, they're not, they, they open the season with Louisville. They're not going to lose that game. Arkansas State at Ole Miss, no, no. I don't think A&M has the firepower to beat them. Not in, a, not in, a, in Alabama anyway. Then they play Lafayette. They play at Arkansas. They will not lose that game. They play Mizzou at home. They will not lose that game. They will not lose to Tennessee. They got a week off. Then they got to go to LSU. They could lose that game. I doubt it, but they could. Uh, they play State without Dan Mullen and a relatively different program, I guess you could say. Um, I don't see them losing to Mississippi State at home play the Citadel, and then they play Auburn at home. So they probably have, let's just say they have three games, maybe four they could lose. Well, Georgia's not exactly got a bunch of games they can lose either. I mean, if we're, if we're being honest about things, Austin P, no. But then they go to South Carolina. Could they lose that game? They could lose that game. That Carolina's probably going to be the two coming in. Will they lose to South Carolina? I doubt it, but it's not another realm of possibility. And that's maybe that's all right. So then, Miss Middle Tennessee, they will not lose that game at Missouri. Challenging, I don't think Missouri will be able to knock out Georgia. Um, that lock came back, gives Missouri a pretty good shot. 
they're not going to be able to stop Georgia. Tennessee, I don't see it. That game's in Athens. I just doubt it. Vanderbilt, no chance. Georgia has to play at LSU. I would tell you right now that I think Georgia will win that game right now. Let's just see. That's a very complicated game. It's a difficult to play there. If you've never been to Tiger Stadium, tough game. Then they are a week off. Got to play the Gators. That's a game they should win. At Kentucky, they'll beat Kentucky. Uh, Auburn at home. You know, is that a coin flip game? Probably not. Probably uh, probably Georgia, a four- or five-point favorite, something like that going in that game. Georgia should probably win that game. But, eh, UMass, I don't see it. Georgia Tech, I don't see it. So I would say you've got Carolina, maybe Tennessee, LSU, Gators, uh, and, I mean, like, in Auburn. So maybe Georgia could lose four games. Like, they could lose them, not that they will lose them. And so you just get to a stage there where you're going, I mean, who are these top teams going to lose to? Let me try to get to Clemson. And I just don't see how Clemson loses at all. But let me, I don't see how they lose, but they always do. All right. Furman, they got to play at a and I don't buy it, but, but that's me. So... I think I think Clemson wins that game, but they could lose it because you're dealing with an SEC team on the road. Never easy. Clemson has had a lot of success lately, but they're they're they have they're every single year they played an SEC team, with the exception of the 2016 season, they've lost by double digits. So uh, you know it's just that's a reality. That's a that's what it is. Uh, he might have been 15 and 16, they haven't lost. But every other year that Dabo's been there, they have lost by double digits to an SEC school. They don't play in the SEC. That's a lot of losses uh, for a team that you don't play in your conference because they lose the AM. I, I doubt it. I just, well, let's just see what happens. Playing on the road, you're going halfway across the country, you know, this, that, and the other. But defense travels. They play Georgia Southern, they'll beat them. They play at Tech, they should beat them. They play Syracuse at home. I mean, you know, come on. They play at Wake. They're, I just – maybe that's the game where Clemson has their dumb game. Um, you know, I don't know. NC State has always been tricky for Clemson. This, this is where they could lose a game if they're going to lose one. And I know it sounds stupid talking about Wake Forest, but we're talking about Clemson here. They've had dumb losses a lot. And, um, you know – Maybe Clemsoning is just absorbing a dumb loss and then forgetting it and moving on. There's something to be said for that. At Wake Forest, off. NC State at home, they could lose that game. At Florida State, they could lose that game. I doubt it, but, you know, whatever. Louisville, you know, Louisville, if they were going to beat Clemson, they would have beat them already. So I don't buy that. At Boston College, Boston College would have to be drastically better to really challenge uh, Clemson. And then Duke. Uh, at home, I don't, I don't see that. South Carolina up at Clemson, you know this that rivalry for years had the the uh, home team losing. That was two decades ago, though. I mean, Clemson's clearly the better program, um, and Carolina 
has played better at home than they have on the road. They've sort of been solidly beaten by Clemson these last two years. So Clemson, I don't think, is as good as um, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State entering into this thing necessarily. But I think their path has to be respected. There's just not a lot in their way. Uh, same thing for Georgia in the East. There's just not a lot in Georgia's way. If you're being honest about it, I mean, who is Georgia really? They're going to have to survive LSU, Auburn, Florida, and Tennessee. They should win all three of those games probably. But they probably will lose one. question is which one. And, and does it really even matter? I mean, if you lose to LSU, LSU, it doesn't matter. If you lose to Auburn, it doesn't matter. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious it doesn't matter. So uh, if you look at this year, at least. So one loss is no longer going to kill you. I mean, Auburn beat Georgia and Alabama. They both played for a national championship. This is no longer about being perfect. So... Uh, and here's someone saying South Carolina and Florida State are the only two teams that can play with Clemson in the ACC. That's I think that's exactly right, except that Clemson has dumb losses. I think it would be the best way to put it. And at any conference game with legitimate teams like NC State, you can lose. Someone asked me a housekeeping question. What was my major at Georgia? I went undergrad to Coker College where I played basketball and tennis. Uh, not very well, but I did do it. And then... Um, uh, my master's from Georgia is in public administration, which is, I think, the number three or four program in the country. I'm not going to toot my own horn on that. I barely survived that program. So <laughs> so I'm here, right? Uh, Jimbo beats Dabo in College Station. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that will happen. Um I, if I were close, I'd be concerned about that game, but I wouldn't be super concerned. So, all right, look, I'm going to wrap it up here Tuesday night. Let's get back together. Uh, by the way, someone's saying C's gets degrees, um, not in graduate school. You got to have A's and B's. You do not graduate from graduate school at Georgia with C's. They will not allow that. You're, you're on what's called probation and then they kick you out. So undergrad, yes. In high school, sure. But not in my case in graduate school. Sorry. Yeah. That was tough, by the way. Uh, Tuesday night, if you're listening to me here on the podcast, stay tuned for Fletcher and Dean on Monday on the roundtable. All right. Thanks, guys.